Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Nashville, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson versus Anthony Showtime Pettis. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday in the Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. The former number one contender, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, is taking on the former lightweight champion, Anthony Showtime Pettis, at 170 pounds. Yeah, I mean, look, we'll be honest, it's not the best card, but I mean... As a fan, you know, uh, I'm going to sit back and enjoy the fights. Uh, I mean, anytime Anthony Pettis win or lose, you know, I'm going to watch him fight. I mean, generally, uh, there is showtime when he fights win or lose, man. I mean, the Poye fight, his last few fights have been super entertaining, man. So win or lose, I got to watch a, uh, I gotta watch Anthony Pettis fight. And, you know, Wonderboy, I can't necessarily say the same thing, but uh, when he does have his finishes, man, they are very nice. But lately, it seems like uh, he's been in a lot of tough fights lately. So no knock on that, but... Uh, it's going to be interesting to see Anthony up a weight class, man. Uh, this matchup's really weird. You got the taekwondo versus karate thing. I'm actually interested to see how it plays out. Yeah, no doubt about it. What's interesting to me is that a lot of people are saying this is going to be a fight where these two sidekick each other, high-five, and stare at each other for five rounds straight. I kind of disagree, man, because Anthony Showtime Pettis, he's coming off, obviously, three straight bonuses, obviously the fight of the night versus Dustin Poirier, the fight of the night versus Tony Ferguson, and the performance of the night sandwiched in between there against Michael Chiesa. And with Wonderboy Thompson, it depends how you fight him. If you give him his distance, it can be super boring, but if you come right at him, that does make Wonderboy exciting, and that usually is the recipe to get Wonderboy a highlight reel knockout. And I've heard that Anthony Showtime Pettis is going to come right at him, so I can't wait to talk about the main event of the evening. But before we do that, man, obviously Shaq, I didn't get to catch up with you about that Jorge Masvidal unbelievable epic KO against Darren Till. So quickly, tell the fans that have to battle what you thought about that. Yeah, that was a great knockout. Look, Jorge was a big underdog in that fight to go into his hometown, which he is known for. And to beat a guy like that in that fashion was super impressive. He raised his stock up a bunch, and then he goes in the post-fight, gives Leon Edwards a nice little chicken dinner. And, uh... I mean, I think his stock just rose. His stock just rose through the roof, man. And uh, it's good to see for George, man. He's he's one of the few real ones in the game. Yeah, I mean, two wins in one night. Obviously, the knockout of Till, the cut stoppage of Leon Edwards. I couldn't have gotten any better for Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. So it's going to be a big fight for him next, and I cannot wait to see who they match him up with. Now let's do this whole card start to finish because first up in the flyweight division, we got Eric Shelton. He's twelve and five. And Jordan Espinosa is 13-5. and five. Currently, they got Eric Shelton minus 170. The comeback on Jordan Espinosa is plus 150. Well, Shaq, one thing I got to say about this fight that's really interesting to me is that you know that they're not out here signing a lot of flyweights. But the few flyweights that they have signed in the last few months, I'm talking Rogerio Bontarin that went out there and uh, beat Magomed Bibulatov. I'm talking about Roly and Paiva, who, between you and me, went out there and beat Kaikara France. And now we got Jordan Espinoza, who's making his UFC debut. You think he continues the streak of very impressive debuts by these new flyweights they're signing? Yeah, this is an interesting fight, man, because, you know, a few years ago, Eric Shelton was the guy that a lot of people thought had all the hype and, uh, you know, that he was going to be the, the big-time prospect. And things necessarily haven't panned out that way. Uh, look, Eric Shelton's one of these guys that came in on tough. He pulled off that big upset over Sherbatov, and then he had that very close fight with Pantoja. So everyone thought, like, man, this is a guy to, to keep an eye on. But then, you know, he had that real that stretch where going into the fight, you know, everyone thought he was on Alex Perez's level. But Alex Perez completely beat him down in every aspect of the game. And then his fight with Jared Brooks, a guy who's got fights at strawweight, Eric just didn't pull the trigger, man. Eric uh, chose to be flat-footed. He chose to throw one shot at a time, and he chose to get taken down. So, you know, uh, although he did rock Brooks, I mean, really, that was the only thing he really did in that fight. I think Eric, his last fight, showed a little bit of improvement, improvements in terms of just his sense of urgency, which is something he's lacked very much in the past in terms of winning these decisions. I mean, you know, he's one of these guys who in the past I would say, oh, Shelton's going to cry when he loses a split. And that's exactly what ha happened in the past. But this time he actually won one. So, you know, I think uh, I think he is proven he is training at ATT. But this Espinosa kid, man, this kid, uh, he's a state champion wrestler, although he hasn't fought anywhere near the level of competition as Eric Shelton. Just, you know, physique-wise, uh, athleticism-wise, I think Eric Shelton's ath athletic, but I think Espinoza is a serious athlete. I mean, he's a state champion wrestler. This guy is, you know, bouncing up and down. He's very agile. 
and uh, he's very black explosive, man. This guy hits uh, very hard. He's got the power from run from rounds one to three. He's got two finishes on the contender series. Now he did start off. He did have a very rough start to his career. You know, uh, I can't remember exactly what his record was at some points at one point, but at one point he was about five and four. I think I think he was like five and four at one point. So this guy. Uh, Definitely knows what adversity's like, man. He uh, had a lot of losses early in, early in his career, and uh, seems like he's turned things around. So I'm actually going to go with Espinosa for an upset. I can't necessarily say how because I do think Shelton's a very tough guy, at least in terms when it comes to taking punches. But I have seen Shelton wobbled in the past, man. Let's not forget that that a straw weight and Jared Brooks uh, wobbled him in that fight. And... Uh, <laughs> Alex Perez, man, he hit he hit him on the chin. Not 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 saying that he got wobbled or anything, but he just didn't respond well. So I think Espinosa has scary type of power. So I'm not gonna say a knockout, but I just think Espinosa lands the harder shots throughout the three rounds. But I do think it'll be a competitive fight. Yeah, look, both these guys are very talented. The thing is that Eric Shelton seems to me like fringe top fifteen, but Espinosa is future top ten in that division. So explosive from the beginning, that belt rings all the way to the end. And the proof of that is you saw that third round in his last fight against Riley Dutra. Finishes the fight, knocks him out with two seconds left. And I know there's all this criticism about about Jordan Espinoza's cardio. And it's not his cardio that's the issue here. It's the fact that this guy is so goddamn explosive. Like, look, he's definitely out there running his miles. So don't think that he's, uh, uh, you know, ignoring uh, his uh, cardiovascular work inside the gym because that's not the case at all. It's just kind of like with Yoel Romero. These guys are so explosive. When they do decide to commit to their strikes, they throw 100% power, 100% speed. So Jordan Espinosa, you got to look out. And for Eric Shelton, look, I like watching the kid fight, and he's definitely very talented, well-rounded as well, experienced inside the UFC's octagon. I know he's putting in work. With my guy, Juan Puerta, who, you know, old school ATL in there. And shout out to Juan Puerta because it's due to him that now Florida is removing their zero tolerance ban for marijuana. Because you guys remember the controversy that went down last week with Titan FC. Well, now because of that, they, uh, they had to change some shit. They realized it was absolutely insane. But back to this fight. I think Eric Shelton shoots his takedowns from a mile out. I think that Eric Shelton is fast, but I think Jordan Espinoza is faster. I think he's more explosive. I think his power carries all three rounds. Man, I love his check left hook. I love his footwork. I like this kid Jordan Espinoza a lot, and I'm going to pick him here to win a unanimous decision. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got Chris Gutierrez. He's 12-3, and and Ryan McDonald is 10-0. Well, Shaq, Ryan McDonald is making his UFC debut, and currently they got Chris Gutierrez minus 250. The comeback on Ryan McDonald is plus 210. Not often you see a minus 250 price tag next to Chris Gutierrez. Interestingly enough, he actually opened a plus 125 underdog, so a lot of action has come in to move this from plus 125 to minus 250. So I got to ask you off the top, man. You think the, the line movement's warranted? Yeah, I mean, it seems like the consensus... In the in the last week is that you know Ryan McDonald's a complete fraud and there's a very good chance that's there's a very good chance that you know those statements are factual. I mean his fights are definitely not impressive at all. I mean the only thing I could say is he's tough. The only thing I could say is I've seen him in some really really bad spots and he came back and won every single time. So you know necessarily skill wise, striking, wrestling. It's nothing very impressive, but I will say he is very tough mentally. Now, Gutierrez, on the other hand, I think has him beat in the skill aspect of the game, but I think he lacks in the mental game. I mean, if you hear this guy talk, he, he sounds like a big thinker. And skill-wise, fast guy, he's agile, but I think that he's done improving. I think Ryan McDonald, although what he has shown so far definitely is not impressive, but who knows, man? He's 25 years old. He's hungry. I mean, uh, I wouldn't. I mean, who knows if he shows up better, man? Uh, he got signed for a reason, man. So, I think uh, I do favor Gutierrez just slightly, but uh, Gutierrez, man, he sounds like a big head case, man. Uh, and uh, like I said, uh, skill wise, I, I know he's got the wins over Timor Valia, and that fight was very controversial. When they rematched, it was a complete wipeout. And then uh, the Hayoni Barcelos fight. You know, no shame in losing to Hione, but he didn't really throw any punches. He just got taken down. He At least he cut open Hione from bottom, you know, if he wants to take anything from that. But uh, I do favor Chris Gutierrez, but 
you know, Ryan McDonald, he might come back. He might look a little better, man. Who knows? Yeah, it's interesting because obviously Chris Gutierrez, he's fought way higher level competition. I mean, we're talking about wins over guys like Jimmy Flick and Ray Rodriguez, who are, you know, standouts on the LFA regional scene. Also won that controversial split decision against Timur Valiev. And with Ryan McDonald, obviously, you remember two fights ago, he's getting dropped by seven and nine guys. So, but the thing about my, my guy Ryan McDonald is that you put him in that bad spot. He's not necessarily going to quit. He'll take that ass whooping and then he'll come back. So that's one thing that I respect about him a lot. Obviously, there's a big skill gap here. Chris Gutierrez is much better everywhere. And it seems like Chris Gutierrez really gravitates towards the Muay Thai. Very nice low kicks. The calf kicks, which is a very, it's a very emerging weapon in MMA these days. I think that's something that Chris Gutierrez brings to the table. And I think he simply got him covered in the skill area. It's just about what, what happens in the mental. Because, I mean, Shaq's not lying. We, we heard those interviews. I mean, the dude's definitely a head case. And I respect him. I mean, he's 12-3. and three. He's got a great record. He's a really talented fighter, man. He, he said himself that in the Hione Barcelos fight, he said he broke the moment he woke up that morning. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Ryan McDonald's got the confidence of an undefeated fighter. But at the end of the day, I will favor the skill and the experience of Chris Gutierrez to get him by here. Now, next up in the strawweight division, we got Randa Marcos. She's 8-6-1, and one, and Angela Hill is 8-5. and five. Currently, they got Angela Hill minus 145. The comeback on Randa Marcos is plus 125. Shaq, it's striker versus grappler. I got to know, man. You leaning with the takedowns of Randa Marcos or the Muay Thai of uh, Angela Hill? Man, this is a 50-50 fight in my opinion. Both of these girls are, I mean, mostly cold these days, but... They're just. This is the. This is 100% that typical female strawweight fight in that division where it's going to be a split decision most likely. I mean, um, <laughs> it's honestly the first smoke break fight of the night. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, oh man, Marcos. You know, I'm actually going to go with Marcos just because I actually think Marcos might be in a position where her job's on the line just due to the fact that. Going into her last fight with Marina Rodriguez, in which she didn't lose. She didn't win, but she didn't lose. Sean Shelby told her if you didn't take the fight, we'll cut her. So, I mean, she's expendable. Not saying that Hill isn't, but I think that if she comes out here and, you know, lays an egg or loses really bad, I think she could be getting a pink slip, man. So I think she's going to come out here and not necessarily fight with spirit or anything, but just think Hill will probably win the stand-up exchanges. And Randa's got a bad habit of shutting down after that first round. I don't know what it is. I mean, she's admitted to having a weak mental game as well. But Angela Hill on the other side, man, she's kind of a big disappointment, man, because, you know, when she got cut and came back, there was a kind of a little bit of hype, and Androff shut that off. Courtney Casey fight, even though I thought she won that fight, it's just... The fact that you lost on the cards to Courtney Casey, who's like, what, what's her record on decisions? <laughs> yeah, so like, you know, it's just like, this is not this is a fight where, you know, you just sit back and see who uh, see who cries about losing a split, you know. So I'm going to go with Marcos, but who knows, man. I kind of feel you on that, too, just because she is the dog in this spot. 50-50 fight, plus 125 here. But at the same time, the striking there's a striking gap, but there's a wrestling gap. So which one are you willing to side with? You want to side with the better striker, Angela Hill, or you hope that Random Marcos goes out there, scores takedowns at the end of rounds, and seals them off? Since her back is against the wall, I mean, I'm going to favor Random Marcos, but not confidently. And I expect this to be a very close split decision type fight. I don't think anyone's going to wipe anyone out the water. And also, you brought up how Random Marcos shuts down after that first round. I don't get what the deal is, man. Like, why does that happen? So, But I heard she's been putting in work at a Muay Thai gym in Canada for this one. Not that you can uh, close the gap of all those years of Muay Thai that Angela Hill has been doing. But at least Random Marcos is trying to address that area of her game. You know, since she did kind of get exposed the second and third rounds against Marina Rodriguez. So, who, who the fuck knows, man? I'll take Randa by split decision. Oh, and oh, guess what? They they gave us a they gave us the exact same fight, just up a weight class. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got Alexis Davis. She's nineteen and eight, and Jennifer Maya is fifteen and five. And currently, they got Alexis Davis minus one forty. The comeback on Jennifer Maya is plus one twenty. Shaq, I think the smoke break is going to be a, a very long one, my man. Yeah, Maya's actually low key on, under the radar, coming off a little USADA suspension. Um, her USADA suspension was complete bullshit. Um, I saw the actual 
thing that she got popped for it was like a diet pill or something like that but uh this fight with alexis davis is a, i mean alexis davis is like one of those girls where you watch her and it's like she's a complete zombie she gets hit a ton but for whatever reason man she's such a vet of the fight game that you know she can make up you know for her her lack in those other areas man uh just her experience and she just knows how to execute in certain positions she's a black belt and i thought she had a very close fight with chukakian and she got chooked, man. There's no shame in that. Um, not to mention this girl beat Liz Carmouche literally like last year, man, which is super impressive, man. Cause Liz, Liz is a very. She's got a lot of muscles. Jennifer Maya, she's got a very good Muay Thai. She trains at shoot box in in Brazil. She's got very good Muay Thai, but even and she's a black belt actually. But her wrestling is what the issue is. Uh, a lot of her fights, man. She gets taken down a lot. I mean. In, you know, in those lower level scenes like Invicta and all, you know, she's able to maneuver enough to get back up and still win these decisions. But when the UFC against someone like Alexis Davis, I think Alexis will probably capitalize. But I do see Alexis probably getting tagged up on the feet, but I see her capitalizing every time the fight hits the mat. And she's got some subs on her record too, man. So I might actually go with Davis here. Yeah, man. You know, I feel for uh, my friends in Nashville because last time they had a card, they got to they got to witness the epic masterpiece between Alexis Davis and Cindy Dandwall. And if you've never seen that fight, I highly recommend you go and uh, pull up Fight Pass right now. But look, as far as this one's concerned with Jennifer Maya, I mean Jennifer Maya. Obviously, what we saw in her UFC debut: zero takedown defense, zero urgency to get up off her back. Two fights ago, she's going to split decisions with uh, Roxanne Modafferi. I mean, dude, come on, man. I- I'm going to go with Alexis Davis by split decision. Now, finally, we get a little violence in our lives because Bantamweight division, Marlon Chito Vera, he's 14-5-1, and Frankie Sines is 12-5. Currently, they got Marlon Chito Vera, minus 160. The comeback on Frankie Sines is plus 140. Shaq, these two were scheduled to fight a couple weeks back. Marlon got sick. Now he's going to... He's actually returning to the place where he got his first UFC win, Nashville, Tennessee. And interestingly enough, Frankie Sines also fought on that card against Sirwan Kakai. So I got to know, man, who uh, has a successful return in Nashville? Yeah, you know, both of these guys have been kind of low-key talking shit to each other for a while. Frankie's not happy with Marlon calling him out for the last few years. And now they finally get to settle their differences. Frankie... For whatever reason, you know, I've always just thought he was over the hill and completely old. But, I mean, for a guy, how old is he, 39, 40? Yeah, like 38, around that. 38, 39. You know, he fights with spirit, man. Frankie's tough, man. That Marab fight, a guy who's way younger than you. I mean, look at Marab. That guy's a ball of energy. And the fact that he's in there grinding hard with them for them takedowns, you know, kneeing him to the body. I mean, Frankie's got spirit in him, and he still fights with spirit. You know, I think, you know, his little rough stretch where he had those losses to Faber, I mean, there's no shame in that at the time. But then I think he came back too soon against Eddie Wineland, and he got starched. And, uh... Then the fight with Augusto Tanquino Mendez. But, I mean, he seems like he... That Marab fight... I mean, I bet on Marab in that fight. So, I was, I was surprised that Frankie uh, Frankie did that. So, you know, uh, Chito Vera, you know, is one of these guys where... Man, I, I really don't know what to say. Because I, I personally don't think he's really... Like, I, I think he's rated as a top 25 bantamweight. But I think a lot of guys outside the top 25 could probably beat him. And, you know, that's... I say that as respectfully as I can because the guy does have some good wins on his record. Uh, he beat Brian Keller. He's got wins over uh, Henry Briones. Uh, he beat – he's finished with E.G. Buren. Um, Brad Pickett. Brad Pickett. So, you know, he does have some good wins. But I just think, he, you know, he has a tendency to sit back a little bit. But one thing he's good at is finishing fights, you know. Everything else is kind of hit or miss, you know, his wrestling, his wrestling is getting better. He's got those opportunistic subs, but that's the thing. He's an opportunistic guy. Uh, there's a very good chance he could be losing on the scorecards. You know, it seems like a lot of his wins are the comeback type. Eventually, that runs out. I mean, we saw it with Black Beast the other day. I know Black Beast has been fighting with a torn ACL and uh, LCL or whatever it is for the last four years. But uh, eventually, those comeback wins do run out. Now, will they run out against Frankie Sines? I don't know. I mean, Frankie could clearly has a clear path to victory, in my opinion, just with the activity if he moves forward and ties up his legs, frustrates him, and uses D1 wrestling skills. But Chino Vera, man, he's just got a knack of for coming coming back and just finding 
a little head kick or a little opportunistic sub. I think most likely that's going to happen here. I think Frankie's probably going to win the first round. I think towards the end of the second, you're going to start to see Frankie slow down a little bit. But I wouldn't be shocked if Frankie actually won this fight. You know, I think they're honestly quite even just in terms of the skill level. I know Frankie's definitely old, so that's why I favor uh, Cheeto Very. He is the younger, fresher guy. It's going to be a good fight, but I think Cheeto will get his finish. But I wouldn't be shocked if it went the other way. Yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be a Marlon Chito Vera fight where it starts off. Look, he's a slow starter for whatever reason. The guy doesn't get going often uh, from the time the bell rings. And also, he's not really known for going out there and winning rounds. You know, he's not. If this fight hits the scorecards, chances are they're not going to score it for Marlon Chito Vera. But what he is really good at is when it's time to turn up, Marlon Chito Vera can turn up. When he's down, he knows how to press forward and land that offense, man. I mean, you remember that fight with John Lineker. Look, what was the betting line? Minus 700 John Lineker or some shit like that? I mean, the fact that two judges in Brazil scored the third round for Marlon Chito Vera shows that he really does have a knack for the comeback. Now, obviously, against John Lineker, you're not going to get that finish. But against these other guys that he's fighting, I mean, there's a reason that he's going out there finishing all these guys in the second and third round. And one thing that people need to understand about Marlon Chito Vera is that he got to the UFC on basically talent alone, like no, like not much skill because he was out there in Ecuador training with cab drivers and, you know, with no fighters at all. So he was 2-2 two and two training in Ecuador. You know, he knocked out Henry Briones with the up kick, choked out uh, Roman Salazar with the triangle, and then obviously lost, you know, the Davy Grant and the uh, Marco Psycho Beltran fights. That was his stint with zero high-level training. And then ever since he moved to the United States, well, now he's 5-2. and two. And the only two losses are to John Lineker and Douglas Silva D'Andrade. So what he's been doing has been working for him. And with Frankie Sines, I got a lot of respect for the guy, obviously. I actually picked him to beat Faber back in the day. He was a huge underdog, and everyone was calling me crazy. And then he goes out there and drops Faber. He actually lost the decision, but it was the fight that changed his career. He got so much respect coming off a loss that it kind of made him that perennial, you know, not top 15 guy, but just a perennial tough out. And ever since then, it's only been... I mean, besides the Henry Briones fight, Frankie Sines has been fighting in big fights. He fought Eddie Wineland, Faber. He's in there with uh, with real guys. Now against Marlon Chito Vera, obviously he's got the wrestling edge. He's D1. The guy's just a competitive athlete. He's a dog in there. So I think he's going to be able to bully Marlon for about the first round and a half. But after that, look, man, there's over a 10-year age gap here. I think that the youth, the tenacity, the spirit. I think Marlon Chito Vera is going to do another Marlon Chito Vera comeback win. And I think he finishes Frankie Sines in the third round. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got Bobby Moffitt. He's 14-3. and And Bryce Mitchell is 10-0. Currently, they got Bobby Moffitt, minus 165. The comeback on Bryce Mitchell is plus 145. Shaq, uh, obviously, Bobby Moffitt, he had the controversial submission against Chas Skelly. Bryce Mitchell went out there, beat the D1 wrestler Tyler Diamond. So who gets their second UFC win? Yeah, Moffitt looked good his last fight. You know, to beat a guy on Chaz's level for his debut was very impressive. And Bryce Mitchell, man, he went out there and gets a D1 wrestler. And a lot of people thought he lost that fight. But I'll say one thing, man. The kid never stopped working the entire fight. Um, Man, this is a good matchup because Moffitt definitely has, even though he's only got about uh, seven more fights than Mitchell, you know, he's he's been – he definitely paid his dues out there on that local scene. You know, he took a loss to Ione. He took a loss to uh, – to to Tan Lee by knockout and I mean those those could have uh, deterred him man but he stayed on that path and and it really seems like these last two fights up until these last two fights the contender series fight and the Skelly fight Moffitt was just I would consider him just a straightforward uh grappler man he is a he is a jiu-jitsu black belt he's just a straightforward guy that likes to get a lot of takedowns he likes his dar stroke and that, he, that just seemed like what he uh, his skills consisted of. But these last two fights, it seems like his stand-up has definitely improved. It definitely seems like he's got a strength, strength and conditioning coach now. So I definitely think uh, there's a chance that, you know, Bobby Moffitt, uh, you know, improves even more. One thing about Mitchell is we haven't seen him in a long time. But Mitchell's one of those guys, man, he... You know, he, he's from he's from Arkansas, man. You know, that a lot of that alone will just tell you, man, he'll uh, he, his nickname's Thug Nasty. This kid is just a fighter. You know, he's very green, but he has the heart and he has the will. You know, I think Moffitt probably has him is better. Definitely the better grappler. Mitchell, 
even though his stand-up's not the best, he's kind of like, uh, in comparison to Cheeto, just opportunistic. Like, you know, the second Moffitt's lost in the past by, you know, using a lot of energy with the takedowns. And then when he gets back up, he's real tired. And he's he's gotten tagged a lot in past fights, man. So Mitchell is that guy that, uh, that will tee off on you if he senses that you're a little tired, man. And I feel like that's why he beat Diamond, man. It was just a nonstop effort. He was just showing that he wanted to win more. So, you know, I know he's coming off a broken testicle, so I don't know how he's going to look here. But I, th- I do think we're going to see a better version. But I have to favor Moffat. I just think his experience is most likely going to be a big factor here. And just the fact that Mitchell did get taken down a bunch against Diamond. He also took down Diamond. But, you know, there his, his fight with Diamond, you know, both those guys are still very green in their careers, man. They just come off that season of tough. So I think Moffitt uh, should win this year, but I got a lot of respect for Mitchell. Something interesting about Bobby Muffet is he actually has six wins via Darce Choke, including his last three wins in a row. Now, I know the Chaz Kelly one was controversial. It looked like Chaz was about to get out. But that being said, on the record, it still says three straight wins by Darce Choke. So... Obviously, that's his signature move, and you know there's going to be some grappling exchanges here. Look, Bryce Mitchell is a very tough guy. I mean, look, he's a country boy, you know. A country boy can fight. You know what sucks, man? That my boy, uh, my boy, stay chopping ain't on this card. You know, he's from Nashville, and they couldn't put him on. They couldn't put him on the Tennessee card. So, but look, now we got Bryce Mitchell on there, and the kid's fun to watch. He, he's exciting. He hits hard. He's going to fight the whole three rounds. Unless he gets choked out with his Darce choke, and I think that might be what happens. So I'm going to go with Bobby Muffet to win this fight via his fourth Darce choke in a row. Now next up in the flyweight division, we got Macy Barber. She's 6-0, and and J.J. Aldrich is 7-2. and Currently they got Macy Barber minus 255. The comeback on J.J. Aldrich is plus 215. Shaq, are you going with the hype machine, Macy Barber, or are you going with J.J. Aldrich for the second time in a row as a over 2-1 to one dog? Yeah, it's a good fight. You know, Macy, she is moving up to 125. All her fights have been at 115, and J.J. as well. So, you know, that's an interesting factor. Macy, man, from what I heard, her diet has just been like, you know, I've heard she was on 500-calorie diets, just eating, you know, the bare minimum to... Uh, to make the 115 and i mean from the sounds of it man it just sounded really bad so i'm glad that she moved up a weight class and you know i'm tired of seeing these guys uh not realize their full potential man it's there's a lot of it and i mean look at Mahedda santos i mean the guy was losing to spicely and uh <laughs> david branch and now he's fighting he's about to fight john jones for the title possibly or even anthony smith weight cutting extreme weight cutting is a bad thing man so uh macy i think uh is super. I think she might actually be worth this high, man. She's been training since she was three years old. One thing I like about Macy is just her energy, man, when she's in there. I mean, when she's in there, it just seems like she wants to win the fight more. You know, she's one of those max effort type of girls. I think JJ's probably the, probably the best girl she's fought, but Macy's uh, already said that she took out two girls from JJ and Rose's team before, so she said JJ's going to be number three. I, I believe her, man. I think... Uh, I think J.J. Aldridge is a solid fighter. I don't know why she moved up to, to 125 unless they're just trying to set her up with Macy, you know, just because they got the whole the Denver the Denver rivalry thing going on. I think, uh, I think J.J. should have honestly stayed at 115. You know, I think that J.J. could sneak up on a lot of uh, on a, pe- a lot of people at 115. She's got a nice straight left. She definitely knows how to strike. If you definitely don't know how to box, JJ will definitely style on you. But, you know, this ain't Pollyanna Viana anymore, unfortunately. This uh, is not Danielle Taylor anymore. I think just the energy of Barber, her effort, whether it's a close fight or whether it's a, a, a large fight, I just see Macy Barber getting her hand raised. The only thing I could say about Macy, you know, in her game is that she kind of does lack the boxing on the, in the end tight. And, you know, JJ does have the boxing on the end tight. But other than that, I think she's going to be fine here. I think she's going to use a lot of kicks, frustrate JJ, and just be more active and win a decision. So I got uh, Macy Barber. And not to mention, Macy Barber's got some of the best ground and pound I've seen from uh, 115-pound girls. I mean, what she did to that Cyphers, man, she left Cyphers in a pool of blood. And and uh, her contender series fight as well against Jamie Colleen. So I'm actually pretty impressed with uh, Macy Macy, the future barber. She might actually, she might actually be worth uh, the shit that she's been talking. Question is, will she beat John Jones' record of youngest champion in UFC history? Because at first, you know, 
I, I thought it was a complete joke. You know, <laughs> this girl's saying she's going to be the youngest champion in UFC history. Okay, sure. But then uh, she goes out there, UFC debut, ground and pound TKO, second round. Shaq, it's not often I see girls elbowing other girls into oblivion, blood everywhere, brutal, violent, vicious stoppage. I was like, okay, sign me up for the Macy Barber hype train. The only thing here is that, look, J.J. Aldrich has better hands. J.J. Aldrich has better parrying. No doubt about that. Aside from that little area, I think if Macy Barber gets her to the mat, maybe not if, maybe when Macy Barber gets her to the mat, I'm not convinced J.J. Aldrich is going to get back up. And we've also seen J.J. Aldrich get out-wrestled before against Juliana Lima. Don't don't forget about that. So, listen, J.J. Aldrich, I know people are taking the shot here, saying she's a live dog. And if you guys are right, then congrats on a very sharp play. But I respectfully disagree. This ain't Pollyanna Vienna anymore. This ain't Daniel Taylor no more. I mean, there's nothing vicious about Pollyanna Vienna or Daniel Taylor. You guys know that. Well, there For, is something. Firstly, the whole Pollyanna beating up this guy on the street is a complete <laughs> joke. Like, come on now. And especially now, if you watch that JJ fight now, and then you go watch his Cypher's fight, come on. Did she really beat up that guy? <laughs> no, you know we can't, uh, you know they can't rat on my boy my head like that, but, uh. I mean, we know the deal here. So I'm going to go with Macy Barber via unanimous decision. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got Luis Pena. He's 5-1, and one, and Steven Peterson is 17-7. and seven. Well, Shaq, what's interesting about this fight is that Luis Pena is 6'3". He's dropping from lightweight to featherweight here. Currently, they got Luis Pena minus 245. The comeback on Steven Peterson is plus 205. Now, Steven Peterson... He's from Fortis MMA. We know Fortis MMA has been doing a lot of winning. Luis Pena is from AKA. So AKA versus Fortis MMA, which side are you going with? I think Luis Pena, it could be either one or two things, man. You know, I think definitely off the show, he definitely had the most hype. You know, the whole violent Bob Ross thing. We max bet him to beat that uh, leg lock guy. Uh, what's his name? Richie Smolin. Richie Smolin. We uh, Max Bennett to beat that leg lock guy. You know, he didn't look the best, but, you know, he did fight a leg lock guy. And then he goes in there against Trezano, who I actually have a lot of respect for, who's actually fighting uh, Grant Dawson at featherweight. Trezano's a solid point fighter, man. Those those uh, those Tiger Showman guys definitely know what they're doing. There's no shame in that loss. But the, just the fact that he's dropping to 45 now, he says that he can make 45 easily, and he might be right 100%. But some people view taking 1L and then dropping a weight class as a just not believing. They just find it a, a little fishy, man, you know, a mental thing maybe. And, you know, Luis, that's the question out on him this week. Like, does this guy have a mental issue or does he – uh? Or is he going to come out here and run over Stephen uh, Ocho Peterson? I think Pena actually does translate down the line to a good fighter, man. He's six three, especially if he's fight if he can make the weight at forty five. I mean, I, his hands aren't bad, you know. I think uh, that the only reason why he was shaking his head against Trezano was every time he got hit, people think it, that he was breaking, and it it kind of was. But when you got a guy like Trezano who make, who can make you look so off balance and so sloppy just with one little shot, and he's never experienced anything like that before. But I don't think he necessarily quit in that fight. I just think Trezano was the better man. So uh, Ocho Peterson, on the other hand, is one of those pretty much typical veterans of the game that pay their dues on the local scene. But he's just a, he's a junkyard dog. He's one of those guys that in every fight his face is covered in blood. Um, he's got a great chin. A lot of people are saying he's got more heart than Lewis. And that that might be true. I mean, Peterson has to win fights on heart because skill-wise, he's not very impressive, man. Uh, he has to win on breaking people. That's that's how he gets wins. It has to be because he broke another man, not because he outboxed someone for three rounds. Or He's got to take his opponent's best shots first, and then he has to come back and break them. And he, he's done a fairly good job of that, man. Uh, the guys, I've been watching the guy on Legacy for a while, so he's definitely a tough guy. But one thing about Peterson, man, he's a zombie. He is there to get hit all night. He will be there to be tagged up all night. It's just a matter of can Luis keep his composure if something goes wrong in there? Because one thing about Peterson is the guy's a zombie and he's not going to quit for anything. You know, uh, that's definitely one thing. So a lot of people might be might be right when they, when they say uh, Peterson's got more heart. But I think if Pena just keeps his mental right, I think he will win a decision here. I just think Peterson gets hit too much. But I will say, man, if Luis starts shaking his head, 
or just showing signs, Peterson will come after him. And it's going to be a good fight. And Peterson does have the necessary takedown defense to compete at this level. It's just the fact that his face is covered in blood. He cuts very easily. He cuts very easily. Not necessarily saying that Luis is capable of cutting him up. But Luis is a wrestler, man, and he kind of puts everything into those takedowns. And the one time he couldn't get it, it did, things didn't work out. So, And I, like I said, I do think Peterson has the necessary takedown defense. So uh, I think it's going to be a good fight. I think it's going to be play out a little closer than what it's lined. But I think Pena will probably just win a decision just because because you got one guy covered in blood. And although Peterson will probably end up breaking him towards the end of the fight, I think that he'll probably build up a, a big enough lead up in the first round, first round and a half to not necessarily coast, but just eke out a decision here. Yeah, I feel where you're coming from, man. The thing with Steven Peterson, if you bet on him on one hand, he's going to fight for your money in the sense that he's going to go forward and try his best. But on the other hand, he's also going to be eating a bunch of shots and it's going to be like, oh my God, Steven. So it's one of those things where it's like, can he break Luis Pena? Because that's what it comes down to in my eyes. And do not do not expect this to be like the Mike Trezano fight because Mike Trezano would absolutely go in there and win a decision against Steven Peterson too. And it wouldn't be a split, by the way. It'd be unanimous. So don't put any stock into that. That's what Trezano does. He's a point fighter. Steven Peterson is the farthest thing from a point fighter. He's a junkyard dog. Junkyard dogs get bloody. They get ugly. They go in there, give one, take one. The issue here is that the guy is so damn slow, so he is going to be getting picked apart from the outside. He is going to be eating knees. He is going to be eating straight punches. I mean, Bob Ross is going to style on him at point, at times. It's just when Luis needs to take that break, when he needs to you know catch his breath a little bit, Steven Peterson's still going to be in his face. That's what's going to be interesting about this fight. It's a very drastic, stylistic difference. And yeah, I think Luis Pena is overhyped 100%. And you know, I, I might even go on record and say that he might need a couple uh, fights on the regional scene before he, before he competes in the UFC. But that being said, I think he's got a favorable matchup here because I like Steven Peterson. He's tough as hell, comes from a great gym. I love his heart, but man, he's a walking punching bag. And it's tough to fight a much taller opponent when you rely on your ability to take punches and keep going forward. So unless he completely breaks him and shuts him down, I see Luis Pena winning a decision here. And next up in the flyweight division, we got Jusier Formiga. He's 22-5. and five, And Davison Figueredo Alcantara is 15-0. and 0. So I got to know, man. You think my boy Dice Duguera is going to make it 16 wins in a row? Or do you think it's first L time? Yeah, man. I got a lot of respect for Formiga, even though uh, his last fight wasn't the most... Uh fan entertaining but man you know how to beat a sergio pettis bro i mean no shame in that at all go take him down and you win automatically so um you know i think formiga is definitely getting better at att and dice together i mean what can i say about that guy i mean <laughs> he left john moraga in a pool of blood down there in lincoln nebraska and that was very impressive man because John Moraga is one of those guys. I mean, you saw what he did to Bubalatsov, or even in his losses, man. So they're always close decisions uh, for the most part, except you know a couple in there. But uh, the fact that he beat him that way, man, he took he took Moraga's best left hook. You know, he ate it. And Daisugeha, he's been, or Davison Figueredo, he's been getting better, man. Uh, he's coming to the states these days to train at Alpha Male. He did the last part of his camp at Alpha Male again for this fight, and you know. Uh, how I see this fight playing out basically is, you know, I think Davison Figueroa, Davison Figueroa knows Formiga's game plan. Formiga's not a very active striker. He just chills, 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 and he's very opportunistic with his backpacking. You know, he does have solid Muay Thai, but it's very inactive. I think Formiga only lands about one less than, I think he lands less than two strikes a minute. He just picks his shots, jab, straight right. When I can get my backpack on, I'll get my backpack on. I don't think that's going to work out here. You know, I think he might backpack him for a little bit, for a little bit. But I think at some point, Dice Duguera, I mean, we already saw what happened when Brooks tried that strategy. And Brooks still lost. And I think he's come such a, a long way since then. So I see Formiga coming out real hard early. But I see at some point, <laughs> I see Dice Duguera stalking him and hunting him down. And I think the God of War will finish uh, say Formiga either with a body shot or uh, a knee, an elbow. I mean, this guy's vicious. I think uh, Dice Duguera will remain undefeated on Saturday night. 
Yeah, I mean, Davison Figueredo is a monster. He's one of the scariest 125ers, and he could also be one of these guys that, now that they're allegedly trying to get rid of the flyweight division, I could see him having a bright future at Bantamweight as well because he's fucking massive for, for flyweight. And it, similarly, similarly to a guy like Saeed uh, Nurmagomedov, not in terms of style, but just in terms of you saw how Saeed you know, he was kind of sucked out at 125. Then he goes to 135 and kills Ricardo Ramos. Well, I feel like Davison Figueredo, he's already having success at 25. Let's move this guy up to 35 without the drastic weight cut. And holy shit. But here against Juicy Formiga, look, if you're not the number one contender, Juicy Formiga is going to go out there and backpack you. But what happens every single time? Juicy steps up and fights the number one contender. Joseph Benavidez knocked him out. John Dodson knocked him out. Well, what's going to happen here now that he's fighting the new number one contender? Probably gonna get knocked out again. I, look, don't, I, don't, don't forget about my boy Ray Borg. Oh yeah, Ray Borg beat him in Brazil. I, I, good, uh, good call on that one, my man. I mean, look, I feel like you know, Juicy is probably gonna backpack him maybe the first round, maybe for a little bit. But Davison isn't the kind of guy to freak out or you know, just I, I don't think. Listen, I don't think Davison's gonna get tapped out. If he does, then much respect to anyone that calls that. But I, I'm not calling it that way. I'm calling it. Davison inside the distance. I think he lands some heavy shots on Juicier and gets him out of there, man. I, I think my boy Juicier might even start doing the Nova in this fight, man. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to go with Davison via third round, brutal, vicious KO finish. And it'll be cool to see Henry Cejudo versus Davison Figueredo, man. And let's keep that flyweight division alive. I think that's a, that's a fucking all-violence fight right there. And it's interesting because Henry Cejudo used to be known for laying on guys. Now he's uh, knocking out one of the alleged best strikers uh, in under in 32 seconds. And speaking of which, I almost forgot. We've been saying for years on Half the Battle that the snake's been taking his Flintstone vitamins. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't surprised. I mean, if you look at him fight to fight, he always comes in with a nice uh, a needle bump on his belly. So, you know, I wasn't surprised at all, man. Uh, Sam Calvita just sounded too good to be true. Uh from that uh, Henry Henry that we actually cashed on in that fight. And, you know, uh, Sam Calvita, some of the shit he was talking about, I mean, we were looking at each other and it was like, bro, this is this is definitely steroids. <laughs> and not only that, the only thing that sucks for us is that we were planning on cashing in on Henry in the rematch because, you know, they were going to line it close since uh, it was a quote-unquote fluke, right? And since it was uh, apparently going to be at 135, and that's TJ's weight class. So obviously TJ's got the edge, but between you and me, uh, Henry was going to go in there and knock him out a second time. At dog money. Yeah, I mean, 100%. You know, TJ, look, he had a great run, but it's it's over now. With these guys coming up like Henry and uh, Marlon, I mean, he definitely, in my opinion, wasn't going to beat Henry again. I mean, when you – TJ's one of those guys, man, like he's one of – I think, honestly, another issue is TJ's been one of those insanely – a little bit too insanely uh, – driven guys were like he has to has to has to win everything and i think you know there's a, a chance where they kind of got a little overboard and might have uh took something he shouldn't have but not to say that in the past i mean years i mean i mean garbrandt said it that uh and not to mention i mean you remember when he used to pull up at my boy chad mendez's house on the countdown shows uh and look what happened to both of them so yeah they're uh both uh injecting steroids into their deer meat <laughs> But, uh, you know, I, I just feel like TJ was fucked no matter what because it's either get busted by USADA, get knocked out by Henry Cejudo, or get high-kicked by Marlon Moraes. So either way, <laughs> he wasn't defending his belt again. So, you know, it's been fun, TJ. Thank you very much for all, all the fun fights you gave us. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got John McDessie. He's 16-6, and six, and Jesus Pinedo is 16-4. and four. Currently, they got John McDessie minus 310. The comeback on Jesus Pinedo is plus 255. Shaq, I got to know, man. I'm sure me and you will agree that John McDessie is the more skilled guy. But should John McDessie... Can you trust John McDessie with a minus 310 next to his name? Yeah, this is a... Uh... That's the big question. You know, he was a... Wasn't he a big favorite against Ross Pearson, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, but not this big. Yeah, not this big. But, like, at least minus 175 to 200. Yep. Desi's his new camp has definitely you know gave him some life at Rufus Sport. He's been training with Manny Sanchez and all those dudes, Pettis, and uh, they welcomed him with open arms. And he seems to have you know taken it and run with it. The, the Abel Trujillo fight, where I remember that fight week, a lot of people were saying. I mean, I remember what Abel Trujillo was saying. He was saying uh, McDessie, typical things, no chin, this and that. But uh, 
McDessie uh, dropped him, and I think he fucked his knee up. We haven't seen him since. Uh, seems like uh, these last two fights, he's definitely not wobbled as much. It seems just like he's more clear in the head. It just seems like he has more confidence in himself. And, you know, Pinedo was initially supposed to fight Gritz, who I think was probably, you know, a more appropriate uh, to see where Pinedo's really at after his win against Devin Powell, which, you know, I really wasn't too impressed. I think Pinedo you know, might translate to something down the line that he is long, he is very young, and the fact that he's already here at this stage, you know, is very impressive. So, you know, I think that McDessie definitely has him on the experience and the skills. So I do think McDessie wins this fight. The big question is, will McDessie's chin issues be brought back up? I don't think so. You know, I think Pinedo is long. He might be able to catch him with a shot. But I think that, you know, Pinedo's still a little green in the execution part on, you know, 100% finishing him if he does get that shot. You know, he might make a, a mistake and get sidekicked to the floor or who knows out there, man. But I do think it could be run a little closer just because two fights isn't enough to necessarily say, but McDessie definitely hasn't beat an experience by a landslide. One thing I'll say about Jesus Pinedo here is that obviously you saw with these with these Peruvian fighters, they're making big improvements every single time you see them fight because obviously Enrique Barzola, he's waving the flag there. But you remember a guy, Claudio Puelas, and in his UFC debut against Martin Bravo, I mean, you're like, oh, man, cut this guy right away. But then his last fight against uh, Felipe Silva, I know he was losing the entire fight until he won, but I still saw a lot of improvements. And not to mention, he went out there and finished the guy in the third round. So I expect a better Jesus Pinedo in this spot, and also Jesus Pinedo is a guy that's won 12 of his last 13 fights. With John McDessie, look, he's got the skill advantage here, he's got the experience edge, but man, he's much smaller than Jesus Pinedo. This is a six foot tall man versus a five foot eight man, and that five foot eight man has gone on record and said that, man, I'm too small for 55, but I'm too big for uh, 45. And I mean, the last two guys he, he beat are, you know, two guys that are on retirement's doorstep. With Abel Trujillo, the reason Abel looked so bad in that fight was when Abel got dropped, his ankle twisted behind his leg, man. I mean, it was a scary sight. So it was credit to him that he actually survived that fight. And with Ross Pearson, I mean, do I really have to say anything about that? You know, much respect to Ross, but we know that Ross is uh, towards the end of his career, man. It is what it is. Jesus Pinedo's the fucking opposite of towards the end of his career. I mean, the kid's 22 years old, so he's going to come out here with that spirit, with that heart. And I think that... Man, I, I think it's going to be interesting. Look, if this was a pick 'em fight, I would go with McDessey. But when you're talking minus 310 to plus 255, listen, the values with Pinedo here do not lay minus 310 on John McDessey. Look, if you got it minus 175, minus, you know, minus 225, okay, I understand. But minus 310, let's relax. Fuck it. I'm going to go with Jesus Pinedo for the upset here. Co main event of the evening in the heavyweight division. We got Curtis Razor Blades. He's 10 and 2. And Justin Big Pretty Willis is 8 and 1. Well, Shaq, it's striker versus grappler, and the big question we have here is what's going to happen when Curtis Blade shoots? Because we know Justin Willis, obviously, he trains at AKA with Daniel Cormier and uh, and with Cain Velasquez, two higher caliber wrestlers than Curtis Blades. But that being said, we haven't actually seen Justin Willis have to stuff a takedown inside the octagon. So it's kind of a question mark. What's your stance on this? I think Blades, uh, it was unfortunate as that's why he got starved. She really didn't get a chance to fight, but that's what happens sometimes when you fight Francis. So, you know, there's no shame in that. Willis is definitely a big step up in competition, even though he did fight Mark in his last fight. You know, Willis just seems like, even though he's uh, one of those very uh, big belly type of heavyweights, he just seems like he's very underrated, you know, un underrated athleticism, man. Uh, I think he's a former football player. Um, actually, remember the guy. I don't if you if y'all remember that show on uh, on Nuva, I think it was uh, Fight Factory that with AKA. He was actually on there. This was before he was making his pro debut. So, so to see him to come all this way uh, is definitely impressive. I think Blades is still in top five, six. But the thing with Blades is, man, I, I always thought that his stand up would improve better than what it realistically has. You know, I feel like his stand up. I feel like he's still just not kind of reminds me of like phil davis in a sense just yeah he can land strikes but so you're saying uh you're saying he'll never have striking 
Yeah, pretty much, man. I just think he'll never either be confident in it or just, I don't know what it is. Just thought his stand-up would improve more than what it has. This is definitely a step-up in Lewis. You know, he hasn't fought anyone with a blast double of Curtis. Curtis really doesn't have a blast double. I'd kind of consider it a tackle. To tackle a big heavy guy like that, man, uh, it's factual that he's been, the guy's been training with Cain Velasquez in D.C. all the way since he was from making his pro debut all the way up to till now, and I mean, he should know how to stuff, but it's yet to be seen. So we just be, it would kind of just be taking, taking a guess. But if Willis keeps this fight on the feet, he will win. He has the far superior boxing combinations. His timing is way better than Blades. His one twos are way better. And, uh, He's just way better. He's just a way better striker. So this is a, a striker versus grappler fight. I don't know for facts if he can stuff the take rounds. His fight with Mark Hunt, even though it was a 29-28 decision, that's the type of fight. That's the type of game he likes to play. He likes to play that in the pocket, you know, slip and rip type of game, and you know, went on point sometimes. But against guys that you know just aren't up to his level, I'm like guys like Mark Hunt who are uh, K one. K1 strikers, you know, he might knock them out like we saw against uh, Alan Crowder. I know he didn't knock out Chase Sherman. That's pretty funny. <laughs> but uh makes you take Willis in an upset? I, I, I got a feeling that he is going to stuff to take that and make Curtis play. I mean, that's what it comes down to in my eyes, man. It's just about determining can Justin Willis keep this fight standing because he is a very talented striker. You saw him go all the way to Australia and uh, beat Mark Hunt, not by wrestling him like all these other guys do, but by outstriking him for two of the three rounds. And and it was very smart, too. He outpointed Mark Hunt on the feet, avoided all the power shots. It was a very impressive job by Justin Willis. And also, you've seen him go out there, knock guys out in the first round. Obviously, the Chase Sherman performance, you know, you could either say, you could either straight up say that, hey, he gassed out in round three versus Chase Sherman, or you can say maybe he got a little cocky because maybe he didn't take that fight as seriously because it was Chase Sherman. I know he's taking this fight a lot more seriously. So it comes about determining if he can get back up or not. I really have no idea. So I guess uh, I'm aside with Vegas on this one. Say Curtis Blades uh, gets a ground and pound TKO. But uh, who knows? Maybe Justin Willis, maybe all the work he's been putting in with Kane and, and DC pays off here. I cannot wait to find out. Main event of the evening, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He's minus 370. The comeback on Anthony Showtime Pettis is plus 310. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is 14-3. Anthony Showtime Pettis is 21-8. Shaq, you got the former lightweight champion moving up to, to welterweight to take on the former number one contender. Both these guys are strikers. So my question is not who wins. My question is who shoots for the first takedown. <laughs> it's a good uh man wonderboy's been shooting takedowns lately uh you know he you shot know, on he, jake ellenberger <laughs> <laughs> he got he got a takedown against ellenberger i think he shot on george too um so maybe uh wonderboy <laughs> maybe wonderboy just say hey i'm fighting the pettis bro i know what to do. <laughs> all right right uh, good point <laughs> they could be throwing everyone for a trick here but uh hey, has he been putting in work with Weidman for this one um i mean doesn't he always put in work with one <laughs> you know my boy wonder boy's about to out wrestle pettis real quick <laughs> <laughs> i mean that'd be the smart thing to do but uh man i really don't know how this fight's gonna play out you know i will go ahead and say i favor wonder boy just because i think that anthony although he's moving up a weight class you know this is a an attempt at rejuvenation, and it might work for you know a fight or two, but uh, man, I can't really say because man, the guys he's been fighting and losing to at fifty five just aren't. It's no shame, man. Like there's no shame in getting your ass beat by Tony Ferguson like that. Like that's what Tony does. Like there's no shame in you know Dustin doing that to you. There's no shame in that or Max Holloway. Like like those guys are the top of the world in the toughest division. So like. I can't necessarily say that Anthony is a bad fighter because he's not. He's just losing to the big. He lost them one, two, three, four, you know, five, and you know, such, so on and so on. So Wonder Boy is one of those guys up a different weight class. So we'll see. Generally, these guys moving up tend to rejuvenate themselves for a fight or two. But I think as long as Wonder Boy just plays it smart, there is a chance this goes all five rounds. But you know, Anthony's had a, a tendency in the past when. I don't want to say that he's a, a mental ninja or anything because I, I still do think that he got beat down in those fights, except Eddie Alvarez. I think he just got beat down in those fights. Like, I don't think it was necessarily a hard thing. I know I know he missed weight before Max. He, he definitely uh, 
he definitely tapped against us. I mean, this is what it is, bro. This is what it is. So back in the day, he would take that ass whooping the entire time and either finish you with a sub or like the RDA fight, look, took that five round ass whooping like a man. But ever since then, what happens now is if you get him to that damaged state, like Max did, like Dustin did, like Tony did, he's at the point now in his career where he'll be like, okay, I'm just going to live to fight another day. So I think that's where he's at. Yeah, basically that. Anthony's got a lot of things going for himself outside the cage. So like you said, if trouble presents himself. But the thing is, does Wonderboy present that necessarily Dustin, Max, Tony type of beatdowns where they're really looking to bloody someone up and get in their face? Probably not, because the one time Kiesa fought a non-top five, six, seven guy who fucking smoked uh, Michael Kiesa. I know Kiesa had a broken foot, but hey, it is what it is. He signed the dotted line, so he got smoked, so... It shows that he kind of will beat those lesser guys. But, uh, man, I don't know if Wonderboy is necessarily capable of inflicting that type of beating, that that long-derated type of beating. But uh, Anthony makes a mistake. He could definitely get countered and knocked out. But Anthony's got a good chin. He's not like he's getting flash knocked out. I mean, you got to beat him down. Like, he ain't the one flash get knocked out type of guy. So, We've always questioned Wonderboy's chin in the past. It's, his chin actually is pretty good. I mean, Woodley hit him with his best shots. Uh, he didn't get knocked out against Till. Um, but I, I definitely think that we've seen the best Wonderboy. You know, I don't think we're going to see the the old guy, man. He's, how old is he now? Like 35? Yeah, yeah, he's getting up there. Like we've seen lately, man, he, he has been in tough fights. So, he's actually know, 36. Fights. 36. He, he's definitely been in some tough fights, and he's been playing this very cautious, don't make a mistake type, uh, don't make a mistake. And so it's going to be interesting to see Anthony. I mean, what's Anthony got to lose? He's got absolutely nothing to lose. Like, this is just, uh, you know, it's even like there's a very good chance when they get in there that it's it turns into one of those fights where, you know, Steven feels like, oh, shit, I cannot lose to this, <laughs> to this guy. And he might make a mistake, man. But I got to go with Steven. You know, I got a lot of respect for Anthony, but I just can't pick him here, man. I think uh, we're hearing the same things when he loses. I broke my rib. I broke my hand. Like I said, I don't know if Steven's necessarily capable of beating him down like that, but these these things uh, tend to repeat themselves a lot, man. So I got to go with Steven. One thing I will say about Pettis is when I went to see him fight against Edson Barboza at UFC 197, that was 155 pounds. Man, it looked like he was really struggling from that weight cut. So he definitely has to be feeling way better going up to 170. And you've seen with these guys that move up in weight, a lot of them are performing better. The only thing is that I've never thought Anthony Pettis had the frame for 170 pounds. So he's actually going to look like a bloated uh, lightweight out there. And with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, he's actually one of maybe not the biggest uh, welterweight, but he sure as hell cannot make 155. I will tell you that right now. And, you know, he might not be known for his devastating power his last few fights because, you know, you do have to kind of play it safe with uh, with Woodley in terms of that style. Like, unless you're a grinder like Kamaru, but the way that Wonderboy likes to fight, which is keep it on the feet, you got to watch out for Woodley's power. So I understand why that was cautious. And with Till, listen, man, Till went out there and dropped him in the fifth round. So... Matil's uh, also a very big man. Anthony Pettis is a lightweight, so Steven might have a lot more confidence here. You know on Steven's best day, he went out there and knocked out Robert Whitaker. He's knocked out a lot of guys, Johnny Hendricks, Jake Ellenberger. And as far as you saying that we've thought Wonderboy is chinny, I mean, we're right, bro. I mean, Matt Brown dropped him. Look, Matt Brown's on the all-time KOs list. He hits like a truck. Jake Ellenberger dropped him, who also hits like a truck. And Darren Till dropped him, who also hits like a truck. T-Wood, who also. So, I mean, all these guys that are dropping him all really hit hard. But he has been dropped over four times inside the octagon. You cannot sit here and say that that didn't happen. It did happen. Now, one thing I know about Anthony Pettis is that he's going to come out and try to fight Wonderboy in this fight. Like, there's not going to be... They're not going to try to trade sidekicks and high-five and, you know, smile and wave and any bullshit. They're going to come out... Anthony's gonna try to gonna try to do like the Matt Brown fight. So, what I think is gonna happen, man, is I think Anthony's gonna go balls to the wall for about two rounds, and I think by the third round he's gonna start eating a lot of shots. The straight the straight punches are gonna be weapons. The spin kicks. I actually see Wonderboy getting him out, getting him out of there by that third or fourth round, man. I feel like the size advantage will be a difference here. And I know I said that about the Till and Masvidal fight, and I was wrong about that one. 
you know, I did say that Jorge was the more skilled fighter, but I thought that Darren Till's shots would be more impactful. Turns out that wasn't the case. The thing is, I don't think that Anthony is the more skilled fighter. So I, I think that I think that actually Steven's got the better hands here. It's just Anthony's got really good kicks, and so does Steven. They both got great kicks. Steven's got better hands. I'd say Anthony's got better jujitsu, but Steven's really damn hard to take down, man. So I kind of think this is a tough matchup for, for Pettis. I respect the hell out of him. I mean, the dude, listen, I know a lot of the fans that listen to us weren't around back when Anthony Pettis jumped off the cage and kicked Benson Henderson's head into the seventh row, was on ESPN. You know, it was the top highlight that whole uh, week, man. It was incredible. And obviously parlayed that with the Wheaties box, the Benson Henderson fight. So the second Benson Henderson fight, right, when he when he tapped him out for the UFC title. He's beat, he's beat Benson Henderson twice for a world title, Shaq. So Anthony Pettis, I mean, the dude's a badass just for what he accomplished back in the day. And I know lately he hasn't been getting the results he wants. And, I mean, he's been fighting the best guys on planet Earth. It is what it is, man. Now he's fighting another top five guy up a weight class. You know, I wish him the best, but I have to go with Steven here. Hey, guys, Dan here. No Big Marley Minute this week, but I wanted to let you guys know that Big Marley's bets are available at bestfightpicks.com. This week, he's got a seven-unit play. Last week, coming off the 10-unit win. Prior to that, you remember the 30-unit win at uh, UFC 235. And once again, Kyle Marley is betting one unit equals $100. So for that 30-unit win, that means he won three grand. This is not one unit equals 1% of your bankroll. So that being said, this weekend, he's got that seven-unit play, bestfightpicks.com. Get his DraftKings write-ups as well. Now, normally we hit up Kyle Marley for the Big Marley Minute. Unfortunately, Kyle Marley is under the weather. He's he's unable to make it today. So we're going to give you guys a bonus fight, which is the Bellator main event between Emmanuel El Matador Sanchez and Georgie Karakanian. And Emmanuel Sanchez, it's minus 325. The comeback on Georgie Karakanian is plus 265. And I'm going to look up their records real quick. I know my boy Manny is 17-4. and four. And Georgie Karakanian is 28-8-1. So, Shaq. This is a rematch. The first time Manny fought Georgie, he was a plus 110 dog. Now he's a minus 325 favorite. So I got to know your perspective on this matchup and where they are in their respective careers. Yeah, I think the outcome will remain the same, but I just think this one's going to be a little more personal. You know, I think that Georgie's a weasel. I think that he's one of those guys that he just looks for point deductions. He's trying to get his, trying to get a fake tap outs and, you know, when they fought the first time, it was really Blake Grice's mistake. But Georgie's one of those guys, he's very mentally weak, dating back since the Rick Glenn, since the Rick Glenn fight in the World Series, man. The guy, trust me, you touch him on the chin one good time, he will break. He, uh, his last Bellator fight, we actually faded him against Henry Corrales. My boy Henry came through. So I think Manny, most likely, you know, Manny's a slow starter, but eventually Manny will come after him, and he will break like always. Yeah, if you don't know what... Shaq is talking about with those tactics that Georgie Karakanian does. Just go back and watch his last fight at ACB. The last 10 seconds of the first round. So he tries to get a guillotine. He looks at Herb Dean and he starts signaling to Herb Dean. He's tapping. He's tapping. And the guy wasn't tapping at all. He tells Herb Dean the guy's tapping. And he said this about a Russian. It was a Russian that was in that quote-unquote guillotine. So you, you don't fuck with an ov like that. Now, the round ends because there were 10 seconds left, and Herb's like, I didn't see a tap. And then out of nowhere, the Russian instant karma sucker punches Georgie Karakanian because, I mean, you're going to fake uh, you're gonna fake that I'm tapping out, motherfucker, so uh, fuck you. You know, that's the kind of bullshit Georgie Karakanian does. And also, the first time he fought Manny, you know, he's faking. First, he goes for an illegal shot against Manny. It was an illegal, an illegal kick on the ground, and then, uh, and then he's faking eye pokes. But look, as far as their skills match up, Manny's got the tenacity here. The will to win. And if he puts Georgie in a bad spot, I think he's going to finish the fight this time. What Georgie brings to the table is that he's a strong wrestler. He's got a decent guillotine. He's knocked guys out before. You know, one shot at a time. He's a vet. He's had over 25 fights. So you can't just go in there not train for the guy. But if Manny shows up to the best of his abilities, even not the best of his abilities, because I know he's coming off that title loss. And we know with these guys coming off a title loss, it, it, your dreams get crushed. You don't often come back the same. I mean, we see it over and over again. I mean, last week's a perfect example. Darren Till was favored to beat Tyron Woodley. And uh, last week, uh, he got knocked out by Jorge Masvidal coming off the title loss. So it happens often that these guys, when they lose that title fight, they lose their next fight as well. 
That being said, I do not think that's going to happen to Emmanuel Sanchez here. I think that he's the kind of guy. They call him overtime for a reason. He stays in the gym. He lives in the gym. I think he's going to come out here, out-hustle, out-work Georgie Karakanian. I'm going to go Manny Sanchez via third-round TKO. Well, Shaq, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC Nashville? Yeah, my fight to watch is going to be Macy Barber versus J.J. Aldridge. Look, if she wins this fight impressively, we're going to know – you know, where she really stacks up, uh, I mean, uh, she did say she's going to go back and forth, so I don't know. But uh, we're going to see where she really is, man. This girl's been saying she's going to be bigger than Rousey McGregor and John Jones. So let's see what she's got to, what she's going to uh, perform like on Saturday. JJ's a good, a good test to see where she's really at. My fight to watch is Davison Figueredo versus Juicier Formiga. Once again, in a weight class that they're allegedly in a rush to get rid of. It's great to see emerging talent like Davison Figueredo. And if he can go out there, beat the perennial top five Juicier Formiga, the guy that's known as the human backpack, we could be looking at Davison Figueredo versus Henry Cejudo for the flyweight title. So for that reason, Davison Figueredo versus Juicier Formiga is my fight to watch. Well, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Nashville? Yeah, my fighter to watch is going to be Davison Figueredo, Dice Duguera. Like I said, man, I mean, if this guy wins this fight against Formiga, he could be next in line at flyweight after Henry uh, does whatever he has to do at uh, 135s with Marlon. So uh, Dice Duguera could be the next title challenger at Formiga. I mean, the guy's been top five his whole career, so this will definitely be a big win for Dice Duguera. My fighter to watch uh, is Jesus Pineda. Look, this is a kid that's won 12 of his last 13 fights. And when you're 22 years old and they give you a call that, hey, you get to fight John McDessie, a guy who's had over 10 UFC fights. I mean, he goes out here and gets a win over him. All of a sudden, you know, he's entered that top 50 discussion because I know right now he's in the top 200, right? So go from top 200 to top 50. That's what a win over John McDessie does. And I know it's a little bit of a letdown spot because McDessie, I know uh, he used to train with Nasrat Hackperast. I know that he was excited for that fight. Who the fuck is Jesus Pinedo, right? So for that reason, Jesus Pinedo is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, it's going down this Saturday. UFC Nashville, Wonderboy versus Pettis. They can follow you at MMA Genius 05. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks. They can get our plays at bestfightpicks.com. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, and Spotify. Shaq and I will be back next week for a very exciting UFC Philly card. Because I'm, I'm telling you right now, man, that UFC Philly card is fucking stacked. And I love the spots on it as well. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.